right, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, and we get to start a new section in Matthew. I know we've spent seven months, can you imagine that? Seven months in the Sermon on the Mount. We get to start a brand new section in Matthew today, in Matthew chapter 8. We go from the message that Christ preached to the miracles that Christ performed. So the whole section that we're getting ready to look at is nine straight miracles. So we're going to be looking at miracles for the next probably seven months. Because he just he does miracle after miracle after miracle here. And we get to start off with a with an outstanding miracle. This is this is good stuff for us today. We we like the miraculous. Uh, we, we hear stories about the miraculous. We throw that word around a whole lot. But Jesus here starts out with uh, an out-of-this-world miracle. And that's what it is. It's an extraordinary, uh, unbelievable miracle. As uh, This is uh, probably the, the biggest miracle you'll ever see aside from raising the dead. Here Jesus in Matthew 8, verses 1-4, through 4, he, he doesn't raise the dead. He heals a leper. And He does it. And you guys are going to understand that. That doesn't wow you just yet because I don't think you guys understand really what leprosy is in its fullest impact or detail. But we'll do that later on. But He heals a leper here and He does it with the power of a touch. So I titled the sermon today, The Miraculous Touch of Christ. So let's stand together and I'll read these four verses to you. And you'll see what we're going to look at. I might as well have started a series called The Miracles of Christ. Because that's what we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks. But here is the miraculous touch of Christ. He heals with a, a touch. That word touch jumps off the page at me in this passage. And I think it will you as we go through it. Starting in verse 1, you're going to see the miraculous touch of Christ. He says, When he, when he was come down from the mount, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, this is, this, is, this is out of the ordinary itself. He, he says, see thou, tell no man. But go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. This is the miraculous touch of Christ. Let's pray together and then we'll study this passage. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you not only for the teachings of Christ, but we thank you for the miracles of Christ. As this miracle and all the miracles that we will study in the, in the Bible are signs that point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who He is. That He is who He said He was. He is our God. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And God, if I can get anything across from this sermon today, I want everybody to be in awe of this miracle. But to look beyond the miracle to the miracle worker that is the Lord Jesus Christ. May we all see Him in His fullness of power here today. And not only in His fullness of power, but in the fullness of His compassion and sympathy that He has on the likes of us. That he would reach down and not only touch this leper, but that he would reach down and touch me. So God, help us to see that today. And if there's one in here that he has not had the saving touch upon, God, please today, by the power of your spirit, save that one today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to ask this question and then I'm going to answer it. I'm not going to give you a chance to think about it. I'm going to ask it and then I'll, I'll just give you the answer straight out. What is a miracle? 
We hear that word a lot. It's thrown around a lot. I mean, you see it with sporting events. You see it with uh, people finding parking spots in Walmart. They say, oh, that's a miracle. You, you hear that word a lot. But what is a miracle? What does that word mean? We don't want a watered-down version of that word. We want the, the right word, the right meaning, the right explanation of what is a miracle. And I, I wrote down a definition, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it a little bit simply. Uh, it is when God does the impossible. When God, I want you to get this, when God in His infinite power intervenes and overrules the natural process of life. That's what a miracle is. When, when our God does something that is supernatural. When our God, it's, it's, it's above nature. It's a, outside of nature. When our God does something that is not ordinary. When He does something that is extraordinary. When our God does something that is, again, impossible. And when God does something that it makes us say that is unbelievable. When God does something and it is unexplainable. When we see something happen and we say, the only explanation can be that that was God. When we see something and we say, there's no way that a man could do that. Only God could do that. The only explanation is God did that. that that's, that's what a miracle is. If you can explain it, it wasn't God. And can you explain? I, I love this. When God breaks the natural law, the, the scientific rules. Think about this. Waters don't part on their own. Nature says I can't go to the ocean and say part and they part. The only explanation is God did that. I'll give you another one. Donkeys don't by nature talk. You guys know that. And if you guys here today have a donkey that talks, you need to put it on TV. You'll make millions. I only know of one time that a donkey talked. I can't walk up to a donkey and say, hey donkey, how you doing? That's only in movies. That's only in cartoons. When a donkey talks, the only explanation is God did that. That's a miracle. i got more for you if you want them. I know you guys need this. The sun and the moon don't stand still in time. I can't look at the sun and say, I need a few hours of daylight. I would love it if I could look at the moon and say, I need a few more hours of sleep. Stay where you are. I need two hours. I, I do that every morning when my alarm clock goes off. I need more time. Stay. <laughs> Sun, don't come up. When that happens, the only explanation is God did that. I've got more. Whales don't naturally spit men out. <laughs> Have you seen it? When that happens, the only explanation is that was God. Amen. The dead doesn't naturally come alive. Has that happened any time lately? Have you seen that happen in your own life? That you go to a funeral home and you're going to have a, a funeral service and then all of a sudden the dead rise. If it did happen, you're not going to say, well, that had to be a doctor. That had to be in his own strength. That had to be in his own power. If that happened, you're going to say, that had to be God. It's when God in His infinite power intervenes in our lives or in a situation and does something that is not by nature, but is supernatural and extraordinary. That's what a, a miracle is. Our God doesn't have to operate by, I like this, by the laws of nature. The laws of nature must abide by the laws of God. That's who God is. So the only explanation for a miracle is, it's God. So all miracles in the Bible are meant for one purpose and one purpose only, to make all eyes go to God and say it had to be in Him. Our God is a miracle-working God. I believe not only in miracles, I believe in a God who does miracles. I believe
working God. We have that God. And that's exactly what Matthew 8 and all these miracles we're going to see is doing. Pay attention with me. In verse 1, it says Jesus comes down from the mountain. I like that because in 5.1, it says He went up into the mountain. He went up into the mountain and He preached. He came down from the mountain to do miracles. So He's coming down. The sermon is over. He said some, some very harsh things. He spoke with authority. He spoke like He was, in fact, God Himself in the flesh. He told them that they were living wrong, believing wrong, their attitudes were wrong, their heart was wrong. He said some tough things. He said they were all wrong in all places. And their thoughts were, as the crowds followed Him, you see that? When He comes down the mountain, great multitudes, the crowd is following Him down the mountain. And you know why? They're curious. They said, nobody talks like this guy talks. He said some astonishing things. He spoke with authority. Who does he think he is? Talking to us like that. Who does that guy think he is? What gives him the right to say the things that he just said to us? To tell me my life is wrong. To tell me my attitude is wrong. To tell me my beliefs are wrong. To tell me that I'm wrong. Who does this guy think he is? Why should I listen to him? Why should I believe in him? Why should I follow him? Who is this guy? And the miracles answer that question. Because here we see in, in the very next verse an incredible display of power. And not just one, but there are nine straight, unbelievable miracles in this section. These are a group of miracles. It's, it's back, I like that, back to back. I'm not going to go all the way through nine backs, but it's back to back to back. And he's showing everybody that's following him, I just said that, and you should listen to me and follow me, because these miracles show you that I am God in the flesh. These miracles are signs pointing to Jesus and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt who He is. He is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. We know where He came from. We know who He is. We know why should we should listen to Him because Jesus is God. Only God can do what Jesus does. Amen. Only God can do this. So our minds will say, He must be God. He has to be God. Only God can do what He does. His works prove His words. His works validate what He's just said. We must listen to Him. We must obey Him. We must follow Him. Because He's no ordinary man. He is the extraordinary God in flesh. That's who He is. And you've got to get this in this passage. You must believe that Jesus is God. And follow Him and do what He says. So the first one we're going to look at today, and we're going to look at several miracles over the next few weeks. If you want to hear about miracles, come to church every Sunday for the next few weeks. Amen. And the first one that He does, again I call it the miraculous touch of Christ, because all He has to do is touch a leper. And His life is forever changed. All He has to do, and that is the main point of this sermon, all He has to do... <coughs> is touch the leper. And his life is forever changed. Amen. And all he has to do is by his grace touch you Amen. and your life will be forever changed. Yes. So let's look at the miraculous touch of Christ. 
Four verses, three points, starting with number one, the surprising cry. Don't you see that in verse two, the surprising cry. And it is a surprise. You look, look what happens here. It says, and behold, and I'm going to stop right there. You guys know how I preach. I'm going to stop right there. After And behold. That word behold, it, it, it's, 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 or lo. It's, a, it's, and I would say it this way. In our vernacular, they say behold. They say lo. We say whoa now. That's, that's what that means. It's whoa. This is surprising. This is shocking. Something's just happened that, that has made my jaw drop. And what is it? It says there came a leper. And approached Jesus. A man, Luke would say, full of leprosy. Covered from head to toe in leprosy. Luke was the doctor. And he said this guy was full of it. His body was overcome with leprosy. And he is now approaching Jesus. And when they see Jesus and this leper coming, approaching him, coming to him, Everybody stands back and says, Whoa. Lo! Behold what just happened here! It's a shock. It's a, it's a surprise. Because this man who's walking towards Jesus has the most dreaded disease in the world. He has the most feared disease in the world. He has the ugliest disease in the world. He has the disease that nobody wants. Nobody wants leprosy. Let me explain it to you. You guys want to know about leprosy? I know you do. You came to church today. Let's, let's hear about leprosy. Let me just give you a couple things about leprosy. Because you guys aren't as surprised as they were. It starts with a patch of skin on your face. It's a skin disease. The parents would watch their children just for a dry patch on their skin. Because they didn't want their kids to get leprosy. And they'd watch it, and, and it would spread all over their bodies if they had it. And it would attack their, their bones. It would attack their marrow. It would attack their joints. It would attack their nervous system to the point where it took all feeling out of your body. You had no touch. You had no senses. You had nothing. So it's a, a skin disease. And what happens when you get it is your skin becomes flaky white, has scabs on it, and you have sores all over your body that ooze. You guys are just loving this, ain't you? Your hair would turn white and fall out. Your bones would shrivel up to the point, and I Googled it this week. I, I, I picture of leprosy. And then I had, to close, I had to close that out as fast as I could. I didn't want to see that. Hands begin to shrivel up because the bones start, start to contract. You see, your hands start to fold over and your feet start to become like, the hands and feet both start to become like claws. And your back, as your bones start to, to, to start to contract, you, you start hunching over and then you really, you're just starting to, to get smaller and smaller. You're shriveling up. Your eyes protrude almost like an alien. And eventually you go blind. Your teeth fall out. Your face swells up to where you look like a, like a bulldog with, with folds coming over your eyes and all over your face. Your voice begins to wheeze as your throat starts to, to contract. Eventually, because you have no feeling in your, in your fingers, you rub them to the bone and they fall off. They become nubs. And the longer you have it, the more your fingers will be, will be whittled down to the point where even your hands will fall off. They say you can't feel anything and, and you can't feel. In that time, rats would just chew away at your fingers and you wouldn't even know it. You'd stick your hand to a stove and burn a hand off and not even know it. 
They say that your ears will fall off and your nose will fall off and your feet will fall off. Everything just starts falling off. It's the most repulsive, ugly, loathsome, nasty disease that anybody could ever have. It's as close as you'll ever get to a zombie. Picture that in your mind. They say that when a leper comes close to you, you can hear them coming because they're wheezing. You can see the sores and the the deformities all over their body. They come with nubs. You can smell the stench. You guys are just eating this up, ain't you? I'll give you another one. They say you can taste a leper coming. There's such a nastiness when a leper comes that you get a taste in your mouth. And not only that, it's it's contagious. You like that one, don't you? Airborne touch pass it along. Numbers 13 gives rules on what happens if you have a leper in your community. Because these things that I just told you about about leprosy isn't the worst part. The worst part of leprosy is as soon as you catch it, they kick you out of the community. There's no saying bye to your wife. There's no saying bye to your kids. As soon as you start getting patches on your face, they say the kids can't get it, the wife can't get it, and they kick you out put you outside the, the door of the city and you're out there where they burn trash in what they would call a leper colony. But the only people that you can ever be around the rest of your life are people that have leprosy. You'll never see... Imagine you get it at 20. Imagine you get it at 25. Imagine I get it now and I've got four kids. They would kick me out of my house, outside the city, out, to, out near the trash where, where my kids could never see me again, could never touch me again. I'll never hug my wife again. I'll never wrestle my boys again. They will never be the feeling of, of touching family again. No, get this. That's why I call it the miraculous touch. Nobody would dare touch a leper. People kept rocks in their satchels. They called it a leper's rock. That if a leper came too close to you, you would pick it up and say, come a step closer and and I'll get you. You can't come near me. It was six feet at all times was the law. 150 feet if the wind was blowing. Nobody would ever be near a leper. And when a leper came around, he kept a a white mask over his face and he would cry out, if anybody else was around, it was a law. Unclean! 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 Stay away! Stay away! Stay away! Wow. And it was a slow disease. You would live with it for 10 to 30 years. And you get worse and worse and worse and worse. And your body was literally rotting away. Hmm. They would say you die minute by minute for decades. They called it a death by inches. You literally were walking around as a dead man walking. You were basically a zombie. That's what a leper was. Now do you understand? I just... And lo, and behold, now do you get it? I had to tell you what leprosy was, where you never understand the surprise, the shock of this guy approaching Jesus that was forbidden, that was unthinkable. There's no way anybody would ever that had leprosy would approach any man, woman, or child, let alone Jesus. But he does. And we've got to move on. But look, watch what he does. When he, and behold, lo, I would underline that, I would highlight, they're, they're shocked. There came a leper. And what did he do? It says he worshipped him. It means he knelt down. That's what the word worship means. 
The word worship, I've told you guys this before, worship doesn't mean the raising of hands. That's what we think. The worship is the raising of hands to bring them down. So worship, this word, is falling on your face. It's getting as low as you can with your rotting off nose in the dirt. It's a sign of respect. He acknowledges that Jesus is no ordinary man. He acknowledges the, the greatness of Jesus, almost bowing down before His King. That's how you approach the King. You, you bow down. You, you worship. You, you see that in movies. When they see a King, they say, we're not worthy. And they, they bow themselves as low as they can get. You are high and I am low. So He comes to Jesus bowing down. He doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He's desperate. He comes running to Jesus and bows down. Can you imagine as he's lying down with, with nubs, with his face deformed, hair falling out white, hunched over, and he falls down before Jesus, and what does he say? With his voice hoarse and whispering and wheezing, he says, Lord. Acknowledging as Lord. What is he Lord over? He's Lord over disease. He says, I love, I love what he says. If thou wilt. Notice there's no demand here. Amen. Notice there's no name it claim. Notice there's no, he walks up and says, in Jesus' name I'm clean. He says, if thou wilt. He appeals to the sovereign will of God. If you want to, you can. That's how we pray. Yes. If you want to. If it's your will. It's up, I like that. It's up to you. That's one of my favorite phrases when my wife uses it. Where do you want to eat? It's up. And I do that too. We'll have, a, we'll have a day where I'll say, it's up to you. What do you want to eat? They say, pizza. All right. But the, the, the leper comes in, and, and they, we don't have a name. I, I read these stories, and I give these guys names. This is Luther the leper. In my, in my head. <laughs> and he says, if you will, if it's your will, if you want to, it's up to you. Watch what he says next. Thou can make me clean. I don't know if you will. But I know that you can. Amen. Do you see those two things? That's how we pray. I, I don't know if you will, but I know that you can. That, that is faith right there. That, that's faith at its highest point. That's the pinnacle of faith when you go to God and you say, I don't know if you will, but I know that you can. I don't know that you, that you will. I don't know that you want to. I don't know if it's according to your divine and sovereign will, but I know that you can do whatever you want. I know you have the power to do Anything with God, there's nothing that is impossible. Amen. He trusts the power of God, the omnipotence of God. He knows God can, but he doesn't know if God will. The greatest faith you can have is trusting in his power and trusting in his will. I'm leaving it in his hands. And he bows down and he says, you can make me clean. Look, look what he says, clean. You can make me 100% better. You can make me co completely whole. You can make me give me a clean bill of health. 
You can make out the word clean here. He's asking, watch what he's asking for. Because as soon as you got leprosy, you were called unclean. And unclean meant you couldn't be around anybody else. So when he comes and asks to be made clean, he's asking, let me be around people again. Again, he's showing the greatest faith. Not getting what he wants. We think the greatest faith gets what we want. No, 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 no. The greatest faith trusts God when we don't get what we want. So he knows God is able and he submits to God's will. Understand, we never doubt God's power to heal. We never doubt that. But it's not always God's will to heal. And we trust God in that moment when he doesn't heal us. Paul beseeched God three times, take this thorn, take it, take it, take it. And God said, it's not my will, take it. We trust his power and we submit to his will. So there's the leper's cry. It's a shocking cry. This is what the leper is saying. That's how we approach God in our prayers. We come to Him in this way. And watch His response. I love the, the faith. I love the humility. I love the desperation of this leper here. I love the way He approaches. I think this, this verse 2 is teaching us how to approach the throne of God. Amen. And when we approach the way the leper approached, Luther the leper, then Jesus responds to us the way He responded to the, to the leper. Look what He says here. That's the second point. We, we saw the, the, the surprise, surprising cry. And now I want to show you the supernatural cure. Because watch what he does in verse 3. This is, this is unbelievable. If it wasn't in my Bible, I wouldn't believe it. And it's not even the healing that he gets that's unbelievable. Understand this. The touch is unbelievable. And Jesus, do you see this? Notice it with me. Jesus put forth His hand. Underline that word. Jesus didn't stay away from Him. Jesus didn't pull out a rock and say, if you come any closer, I'm going to peg you with this thing. Six feet! Six feet! That's how the Pharisees would have treated Him. Stay away! You'll make me unclean. No, 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 no. When we come to Jesus, we don't make Him unclean. He makes us clean. Amen. <laughs> I love that. He didn't say stay away. He didn't have hostility. You wouldn't push Him away. He didn't get His disciples and say, form a circle around me. Keep that guy away. I'm sure when that guy came walking through the crowd, you know what they did? He wasn't rubbing elbows with everybody saying, get out of the way. <laughs> when He come walking forward, you know what everybody did? Whew. You know, the, it's, it's like the Red Sea parted again. Right. And there stood Jesus. And everybody's watching Jesus and He's not moving. And they get closer and closer. And the guy bows down right in front of Jesus and worships and, and gets low and says, without even looking up, He knows how other people have treated Him. He's waiting for somebody to just come and stone Him to death. And He's that desperate. I'll die if you don't heal me. And he's down on his, on his face, maybe looking up at eye to eye with Jesus. How will Jesus respond to this guy? They were hostile towards this guy. They threw rocks at this guy. They run from this guy. When everybody else runs from the untouchables, Jesus reaches down to the untouchables. And Jesus is saying, I mean, this is so profound. Jesus 
put forth his hand and touched him. Can you imagine the crowd? Oh, what in the world? As Jesus, I mean, they're probably watching him in slow motion. You know how you can have your videos on your phone, you can slow-mo across that line. Slow motion, Jesus going down. And everybody's, no. The disciples are, no. And he reaches down and he touches him. Yes. And this word touch, I had to look it up in the Greek. Because if it had been me, and I'm being sympathetic, and I'm being compassionate, I'd have touched him like that. <laughs> you know? It's like when you go to a hospital, and you're trying to touch an elevator button, and you're like, you know? <laughs> you know? And you get hand sanitizer, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to. Wearing gloves, you know, putting, and then you go burn the gloves. Flu season's coming. I mean, you've got to get ready for it. There's people in here that wouldn't touch somebody if they thought they had the flu. <laughs> I'm thinking of one in, in, in particular. <laughs> she's, got, she's invested in hand sanitizer. So I, I thought in my mind, what's this touch? Is, is, he, is Jesus doing... <sighs> the word touch is not a tap. It's a grip. The word touch means to lay hold of. Some commentators say that he didn't just put his hand like that, that he put his arm around him. Like Jesus did the children when they come running to him and sit in his lap and put his arms around him. Like Jesus when he had Jairus' daughter and he touched her. Like Jesus here in, the, in one of the next stories will tell that he reached down when Peter's mother-in-law had a fever and he reaches down and he touches. Jesus had a habit of reaching down and touching the untouchable. Those who nobody else wanted to touch or have anything to do with, Jesus would reach down and touch, wrap his arm around them. He touches the untouchable. And it shows here, we'll see his power in what he says. We see his sympathy in what he does. I think it's Mark 1, the same story, says that he, when he reaches down, it says, and Jesus had compassion upon him. I've got to tell you what that means. That word compassion is talks about your gut. Because that's where they said feelings come from. Deep down, you guys know that feeling when you love somebody with all your heart. They would say, I love you with all my gut. I use that instead. <laughs> it's not a sweet. It don't go on Valentine's cards very well. It really doesn't. He had compassion with his heart, with his gut, deep down. It meant that Jesus was filled with compassion. He, he felt this man's pain. He saw it in his eyes. And he couldn't help himself but to reach down. And get this. Jesus could have just said, be healed from 150 feet away. But in his sympathy, he reached down. And I love this. That man probably hadn't been touched in years. But one thing this man needed was a touch. And Jesus knew it. And Jesus understood it. And Jesus touched him. Can I apply this for a second? Who are the untouchables in our lives that when we pass by, we get on the other side of the street because we don't want to be around? Have you ever 
run from those who you stay away. Stay away. You're not worthy of my time. You're not worthy of my attention. You may stink. You may, you may, you may be a drug addict or an alcoholic. You're going to stay away from me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. We don't let that type of person in the church. They, they, they may stink up the place. Who are the untouchables that Jesus would touch and that we stay away from? And maybe you in here today, you felt like you're the untouchable. Understand this. Jesus could have easily said, stay away, I'll heal you from here. But Jesus brings the untouchable. And He'll do that in the next one with the centurion son. He'll do that with Peter's mother-in-law. He does it with the Gentiles. He does it with the women. He does it with those that nobody else would ever touch. Jesus brings them in and touches the untouchables. And He says, and I'm getting through this. I know you guys need me to hurry. And Jesus put forth His hand and touched Him and said, Notice the correlation with verse 2. If you will, thou can. And Jesus responds with, I will and I can. You see that? He says, I will. I love those words. Those are, those are sovereign words. Those are the words of, of willingness. He doesn't say, no, get away from me. He says, yes, it is my will to heal you. It is my heart that is willing to heal you. And he says, I like it. Don't you love that he, that he says that? And it's not just in, in healing that he says, I will. I love that when you come to him in salvation and you say, I know you can save me if you will. And Jesus said, it's always my heart to save you. All those who come to me, I will no wise cast them out. I don't matter how, how ugly you are, how diseased you are, how full of sin you are. If you come to me, I will touch you and you'll be made whole. What truth that is. He turns no one away in salvation. And we should turn no one away. There's no outcasts. There's no untouchables. If they come, Jesus will save them. He has the power to save the uttermost to the guttermost. And He says, Be thou clean. That's not just sovereign will. That's sovereign power. The words that command a storm to stop. The words that can command a demon to leave can now heal a disease. Sovereign authority over disease. Basically, when he says, be thou clean, he's saying, disease be gone. And what happens? Get this. If I said that, nothing would happen. Imagine I go to the hospital and I see some sick people and I say, be thou clean. <laughs> What's going to happen? Security's going to come and run me out. If you do that, somebody with flu sitting in front of you, your kid, you say, be thou clean. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. But when God says it. Yeah. It's not me. The only explanation for this is that Jesus is God. Demons don't, don't obey us. Disease doesn't obey us. Ain't never been a storm stop when I try to get it to stop. The only explanation is the divine sovereign power of Almighty God. Jesus is God. Yeah, and look what happens. Be thou clean. When Jesus says it, <laughs> He doesn't look at Luther the leper and say, take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> he doesn't say, take six weeks of rehab. He says you're clean. Look at the word it uses. 
And two weeks later, his leprosy was cleansed. You guys got your Bibles? And six months later, he went back to work. And this is what sets apart these so-called faith healers today and the real healer that is Jesus Christ. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. It was immediately, it was instantly, it was suddenly, it was in a split second, his leprosy was healed. He was cleansed. If we touched him, we'd become defiled. When Jesus touches him, he is cleansed. Whole and complete. And in an instant, he goes from being unclean to completely and totally clean. And this is, this is supernatural. Imagine it with me. Think about this. That's why I gave you the description of what leprosy is. Think about this. Immediately. I love that word. Immediately. In an instant. In a split second. In a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. As soon as he said, be thou clean. He was clean. I love the way He saves that way too. When He saves, it's in a moment, in a, in a second, you are born again. Yes. I like that when we sang the song, it was on it. You may not know what day it was, but you know it was in a second. Amen. It doesn't happen over time. It happens in a moment. There's only one date on my driver's license. The day I was born. There's a day that you were saved and born again. And it happened when He says, be saved, you are saved. But at that moment, immediately, think about it with me. His white hair that was falling out grew back. His skin that was scabbed over, flaky, and oozing with sores became like baby skin. His hands... Remember, remember, Luke said he was full of leprosy. He hadn't just started. He may have been a leper for 30 years. He may have not even had hands left. And immediately he looks down and he has hands. Amen. Immediately he looks down. He may not have had feet. And immediately he looks down and there's feet. And this is immediately. It's not like it just all of a sudden. This is a miracle. You say, how can that happen? It had to be God. Yeah. Jesus is God. <laughs> immediately. I like this one. His nose grew back. Immediately start doing. I smell flowers. Immediately, his teeth were back. Immediately, he was hunched over. He's now standing up. Immediately, that happened. Amen. It is the creative power of Almighty God. Yeah. It's not just the healing of a disease. He is recreating hands. You tell me, has anybody ever seen that before? Well, they'll, they'll put mechanical things on you, but it don't grow back in an instant. How can that be? Only God. Right. Feet don't just grow back. I've never seen that happen before. Teeth don't just grow back. They put some back, but they ain't your natural teeth. Hair don't grow back. Some of us wish it did, but it don't. Gray hair don't turn black. Oh, that I wish it did. That just doesn't happen. It's not scientific. It's not natural. There's not a man living in this world today that could do that. There's not a doctor in the world that could do that. 
There's not a faith healer that would stand up in front of a crowd and take up, take your money. They could even pretend to do that. All these, and I'm going to hit it hard right here. All these modern day faith healers either match this right here or shut your mouth and bow in front of the real healer. Yes. You say, Josh, you don't believe in healing anymore? Oh, I believe that God can heal. Amen. But I don't believe there's faith healers anymore. If there are, and you're sitting there saying, oh, oh, I've seen it. I've sent money to it. <laughs> I am funding his wife and kids. I'm funding his plane. I'm funding his cars. I'm funding all that, that he's doing because I saw it on TV. I saw zombies on TV too, but I ain't seen them no money. <laughs> if there are faith healers. I believe God heals, but I don't believe he uses faith healers. You see these guys on TV? I said, see, see a guy take off his jacket, just knock people down. I can see him knock me down with that jacket. If there are, go to the labor colonies and show me. If there are, they're the most unloving people on the face of the planet. Don't go to a tent. Don't be in a studio. Go to St. Jude's. If you have that power, oh, you say, Josh, you're being mean. No, they're being mean. Come on. When they're offering hope to people that, and saying they're doing something, and I, I will if you have enough faith, and I will, I will. And they're, they're not God. They're not Jesus. They don't have that power begging for money so they can heal you. Go to the hospitals. I see kids in hospitals all the time. Go there. Either match what Jesus just did or keep quiet. And bow at the feet of the one who can heal. Yes. Amen. So you tell me, we're done with that point. You tell me, what is what is the explanation here? Whether you believe it or not, and we have to believe it, because the Bible says it. Whether you believe it or not, this verse shows us one explanation, and only one. This guy wasn't pretending. Jesus wasn't putting on a show. Jesus was showing him and us, I am God in flesh. Amen. He touches the untouchable and he heals the unhealable. He does what only God can do. And then what does he do? You've seen the surprising cry and the supernatural cure. Let me show you here the strange command. That last verse, verse 4. He gives a curious, very curious command here. Jesus says, he goes from compassion to command. It's, it's a very quick turnover here for him. He's hand on him, loving him, wrapping an arm around him. You're going to be healed. Everybody's happy. Then he looks at him almost like with a stern finger and says, here's what you do now. He gives him instructions. Don't doctors give you instructions after they do something? Sometimes they give you sheets and sheets of, of instructions. Here's what you do. Here's what you eat. Here's what you don't do. So Jesus says, here's your instructions. Here, here's what you're going to do now. He gives him a, a command. He goes from a compassionate Savior to a commanding Lord. Oh, yeah. That's what he does when he saves us too. Compassionate in salvation. And now he is our Lord and we bow down and do whatever he tells us to do. So now he's, he says, here, buddy. Here, Luther. <laughs> here's what you do. Don't tell anybody what just happened. See, I mean, it's there. How strange is that? First, tell no man. 
That no man means don't tell a soul what just happened to you. Why he can hide it? He has hands now, you know. What's he going to say? Hide them? Don't tell nobody what just happened. Don't proclaim it. Don't publish it. Don't post it on social media. I know they didn't have social media then, but my little boy scores a goal on posting on social media. Can you imagine if hands grew back? I can post them. We'd be publishing it everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook. Everybody would know. I'm clean. Jesus said, be quiet. Don't you say a word. Don't tell anybody. But here's what you do. Go your way and show yourself to the priest. And offer a sacrifice that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So go to the priest, go to the temple, and follow the law. You say, why in the world did Jesus tell him to do that? There's three, three, three options here. I think they're all true. Jesus didn't want hostility yet. If the, if the people at that time, he, wasn't, he had just started in his ministry, and he makes everybody mad now. He's going to go to the cross before his will. So he didn't want to do that yet. He didn't want popularity either. He knew that if he started going around, imagine that. There's somebody in town making hands grow back. You think the football games are exciting on Friday night. <laughs> I mean, I've got a backache I'd be going for. We'd all be going. We'd all be flocking to whoever it was. He didn't want that yet. Jesus was not starting a healing ministry. He didn't come to heal. He came to save. So he says, keep that quiet. I don't want people thinking I'm a faith healer. But I think the main reason is, this is so good. He wants to follow the law. And the law says, and I, I can take you to Leviticus 13. Leviticus 13 is the rules on what happens if somebody becomes a leper. Leviticus 14 is what happens if a leper is ever healed. And you have to follow a set set of, of rules and laws and commands and follow every jot, every tittle exactly before they'll ever let you back in the community. So he goes, Jesus in his mind, get this, he knows Leviticus 14. Anybody here know what Leviticus 14 says right off the top of your head? No, I didn't think so. Me either. So Jesus knows it. And he says, okay, now this guy has to follow the, the law. He has to follow the commands. He's going to go to the temple. And he's going to go to the priest. And, he, and he's going to walk in front of the priest. He's going to say, I'm healed. You need to do Leviticus 14 for me. And the priest is going to say, I don't even know what that says. And he's going to have to go pull it out and say, oh my goodness, he's got to do these certain things. And it became an eight-day test. Get this, an eight-day test. Leviticus 14, you guys can turn there, do it later. It was an eight-day test when they would, so they'd have to test him and see if he's really healed. Faith healers don't do that either. They, they, they pretend to heal somebody and you never find that person ever again. So this guy goes to the temple and you know what they do? Shave off his head off, shave his mustache and his beard off. They do a full body scan of everything that, that, that he has. And then they send him off for eight days. And he has to come back. And if anything is there after eight days, then, then he's not really healed. His scabs are coming back. The hair is, is falling out again. It's just not, not right. So they, they send him away eight days. And if he comes back and he's still clean, then the priest will declare him completely clean, bring him back to the community, and make a sacrifice. Take two birds. I know you guys might not care about this. I found it fascinating. Read Leviticus 14. That's what I do in my spare time. They would take two birds and they would kill one as a sacrifice. 
and they would take its blood and smear it on the other one and take it outside and let it go. Symbolizing he who was dead is now alive. He who was dead and outside the community is now clean. It's the same thing in salvation. Jesus who was dead has supplied the sacrifice so that we can have the blood smeared on us and be alive. And they would do this ceremony and they would declare with a certificate for him to show everybody a bill of clean health. They would hand it over to him and when they declared him unclean and sent him out, they now declare him clean! He's clean! And he'd walk around, I'm sure, with a, sheet, with, a, with a piece of paper in his hand. And anytime somebody said, you got leprosy, no, I don't. Look at here, look at here. No, I don't. Look at here, look at here. I'm clean. Priest says so. Temple says so. We went through all the tests. They done a full body scan. I'm okay. I'm all right. I've been healed. Amen. And it says, and that would be a testimony unto them. Those priests would say, how did this happen to you? That's right. <laughs> and that... Luther the leper would say it was Jesus. Yeah. And they all would sit and say only God could have done that. What a testimony to these people at the temple. You say the story ends there. No, it really don't. Turn with me to Mark 1. I know you guys need something to do. Mark 1. I'm going to close in about 30 minutes. Um, Mark 1 same story watch this you guys are going to love this I want to read the whole thing and there came a leper unto him verse 40 beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him if thou wilt thou canst make me clean and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand. See that moved with compassion deep down in his gut, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged. See, I told him he was telling him that here's what you do. He straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. And he said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses has commanded for a testimony unto them. Okay, that's where we ended our story at, right? Verse 45. <laughs> but he went out and began publishing it much. <laughs> he did disobey exactly what Jesus said. Walks out of that and he doesn't just whisper, he publishes it. That's what a preacher is. Publishing. Da -da -da -da. He's proclaiming it to everybody. I love that. He couldn't, he couldn't help himself. Look what it says. And to blaze it abroad. The matter insomuch that Jesus couldn't do any more openly in the, in the city anymore. The crowd started flocking to Jesus. I'm sure he left having all, all intention of not saying a word. Okay, Jesus. You know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say nothing, you know. Mouth shut. But when he got out, he couldn't keep quiet about it. When he got out, there was, there was no holding it in. He couldn't keep quiet. Watch this. What his mouth was publishing, his life was proving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if he walked around 
saying, I'm cleansed, I'm cleansed, I'm, 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 I'm well, I've been healed. And they look at him and he's still walking around. <laughs> People look at him and say, you fool. Ain't nothing changed in you a bit. You're still as sick as ever. Uh, you, you know where I'm going with this? You've got all kinds of people in Christianity today that walk around saying, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And they're still walking around just as filthy as they've ever been. You fool. Ain't nothing changed in you. When Jesus touches you, it's a life-changing encounter. You'll never be the same. This guy walked around saying it with his mouth and living it and proving it with his life. He was not just saying, I'm clean. When people saw it, they said, yeah, buddy, he's clean. Somebody, somewhere, touched that man. Who was it? Well, let, let, let me tell you, it was Jesus. And He is God. Something happened to old Luther the leper. And the answer was, I imagine him going out saying, I don't know what day it was, but my imagination would say, you know, it was on a Sunday. It was on a Sunday. Somebody touched me. It was on a Sunday. Somebody touched me. Glory, glory, glory. Can you imagine that? He couldn't help it. We were sitting here this morning singing that song. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. Glory, glory. Jesus don't have to command us to be quiet. We do it well enough on our own. I remember when I got saved, I was, oh, oh glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. Amen. This guy couldn't help it. And they said, what happened? I know it was the hand of the Lord. Uh, I don't know if you guys are with me or not. <laughs> this is what happens when Jesus touches you. One touch, and you're never the same. One touch, and you're never the same. And I think if we re-sang that song this morning, we'd all testify one touch, and I was never the same. So let me ask you this. Has Jesus touched you? Not healing your sickness. sickness than it is to forgive sin. Has Jesus touched you and cleansed you of your sin? Leprosy was the example that God gives for what sin is. Isaiah 1 says we are sick in sin from the top of our head down to our toes. That we set off as sinners in odor before God that is putrid and nasty. We are ugly, nasty, maybe not on the outside, but on the inside in our hearts. We are leprous. And there's no human remedy for sin. When God forgives us and saves us, only God can do that. No man can forgive sin. If God doesn't intervene in our lives and forgive our sins and cleanse it and wash it away, we will die in that sin sickness. A slow death, minute by minute, day after day, year after year.
dead men walking. You say, what do I do? Well, we need a Savior. Yes. Who can take away my sin and who will take away my sin. And let me say this. I know a God. <laughs> I can recommend somebody to you. Have you ever had somebody recommend a doctor to you? I have. I mean, people go to the doctor and I say, oh, this guy, he done a great job. He's just out of this world. Spectacular. Let me tell you what he did for me. And I'm sitting there writing this thing. If I ever need that done, I'm going to go to this guy. Let me tell you about a Savior. I know a guy who can wash away all your sins. I know a guy who can heal you of your filthiness. I know a guy that was just one touch. It's not even invasive. It's just one touch and one word and he'll make you completely whole. I know a guy. His name is Jesus and he is God in the flesh. And he went to the cross and he doesn't just heal it with a, a touch. He died for it. Paid the penalty so that we can be cleansed and made whole. I know a guy. Let me recommend Jesus to you. That old song says, Since I met this blessed Savior, since He cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, He touched me. And know the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know He touched me and made me whole. Can you sing that? Can can you say that? You say, how do I do it? (laughs) We must come to Him. Verse 2, And behold, there came a leper. You must come to the Savior by faith. Knowing that He can and knowing that He will save your soul. Do you know those two things? That's that's the faith. I know He can forgive me, save me, died for me, and I know He will and no wise cast me out. Then you come. Get this. I'll close. I'm I'm, I'm having too much fun. (laughs) The leper didn't have to get better before he came to the Savior. The leper. You don't go, you don't get better before you go to the doctor. And you don't have to quit your sins before you go to the Savior. You bring those with you, and he takes them and casts them as far as the east is from the west. You come in your sin, you come in your filth, you come in your nastiness, you come in all that ugliness of sin disease. And you come to Him knowing He can and knowing that He will and He will reach down and He will touch you and you will never be the same. Will you come today? Will you please come today? There's people in here that are lost. You're still in your sin. You're just like this leper. And you're sitting there denying, no, I don't need need, I'm good. No, you're not. You're worse than this leper. It's not on the outside, but it's deep down in the leper's heart is what it is. I urge you today, during this invitation time, come to Jesus desperately. Come to Him. You've got to get desperate before you'll ever come. If I don't come, and if I don't, if He don't save me, I'll die. 
He said, I wonder what people are going to think. <laughs> Do you think that leper worried about what people would think? Everybody thought that leper was crazy for coming to Jesus. And they might think you're crazy for coming to Jesus, but when he walks away whole, ain't nobody thinking he's crazy anymore. Right. <laughs> Don't care what people think. I used to care what people thought too. Sitting back in a pew one Sunday. It was on a Sunday. Yeah. I thought everybody here thinks I'm saved. I'm going to have to say, I can't go up. I can't go up. I can't go up. I have to go up. <laughs> and I came to the Savior. In the fullness of my sin, I feel the nastiness. And you know what he did? He cleansed me and made me whole. Amen. Will you come today? Will you come today? He will in no wise cast you out. I'm going to do an invitation time. I want to pray. And during this altar call, this invitation, I want to ask you to come. I want to have Brandon sitting here. I want to have my Uncle John sitting right here in this pew right here beside me. And if you need to come to Jesus and be cleansed and made whole, They'll be sitting here ready to receive you. Yes. Amen. If you're sitting here today and you're sick, you need, you need prayer. Come in faith knowing that He can and trust in His will. Amen. I'm going to have two guys sitting here ready to pray with you. But you have to come. That leper couldn't stay away. He had to come. You've got to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. What a powerful picture this is of our Savior what He can do, the power of our Savior, the sympathy, the compassion of our Savior. And I pray, Father, and I've prayed all week that You would take this passage and You would use it to work in the hearts of the individuals here who are lost, who are in their sin, unbelievers. And I pray, God, that today, right now, that by Your Spirit You would draw people to come in faith to be saved. Please. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music